Welcome to the Friday edition of Unexpected Points. We have no Thursday night game to review here, so I'm going to dive into taking a step back, look at the NFL power rankings for this season, and also go straight into the best bets for this weekend. Let's get to it. All right, thanks everybody for joining me. Again, I don't have my normal mic here, so hopefully we will not have the same audio issues that happened on the Tuesday show. But if we do, we do. I'll be back at you next week with better audio here, but it'll just be me talking. Uh, No Ben Brown for this one. And he'll be back, of course, on Tuesday. So hopefully that'll help um, have a little bit less Zoom issues, other things that are going on here. So just quickly, the uh, the layout for what we're going to do today. We're not going to talk Thursday night football because, of course, there was no Thursday night football. So it's kind of hard to talk about something that didn't happen. But what we are going to talk about is taking a step back. We get focused so much on the week by week for what's going on in the NFL. who, How a team looked last week, how a team's going to look this coming week for the different matchups. And I will talk about matchups and potential best bets a little bit later in the show. But what we really don't focus enough on, in my opinion, is a market and model-based perception of where the teams stand now going forward. Win-loss records dominate things, various power rankings that you see out in the media sphere are dominated by win-loss records. The narratives change so quickly week to week. For instance, this week seems to be Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL, or at least close to based upon what's, what's happened over the last couple of weeks in his 500 yard game last week in this particular matchup against the chiefs, where people want to pose whether or not you'd rather have him or you'd rather have Patrick Mahomes, which would have seemed like a ludicrous question only weeks ago. So we want to take a step back from that. And in order to do that, I'm going to have two main sources to take a look at what's happening now in the NFL. The first source is going to be the um, the market. And the best place that I've found for trying to figure out what's going on in the market, and you've seen this popularized somewhat by a friend of the show, Ben Baldwin, who you know needs to get his name drop every single episode here, is what... A website called Inpredictable, Inpredictable, you check them out, stats.inpredictable.com. They have rankings for the NFL. And what they're doing is they are looking at the market. They're looking at what's available in terms of the spreads for this coming weekend and the spreads for next weekend to try to get and derive working backwards team strength, and those team strength numbers would be how good a team is in a neutral field, which is probably the best way of doing a power ranking. So a score differential that you would expect that team to have against an average team on a neutral field. So for instance, their number one ranking here is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and 8.4 is their is their point differential. So you would expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a neutral field playing a perfectly average NFL team to win by, on average, to win by 8.4 points. That is their expectation. I derive a similar number for my numbers. I also have rankings. I also have the expected point differential there. 
And I wanted to use my numbers, use the market numbers, compare those, which I think will be interesting to see where I am off of the market or onto the market, what additional value I may provide or what things I may be missing here. Um, But even more so, before we get into that, getting into where the market, both the market and my numbers, differ from some public perception out there. I know you guys, smart audience, probably aren't buying in too heavily into the different narratives and the different swings on a week-by-week basis, but it still is good to know what's going on. So when you're hearing all of the noise, and there's a ton of noise in the NFL season on a week-by-week basis, you can block out the bad, take in the good. So hopefully this is some good information to block out some of the week-by-week stuff that you are hearing. Before I get into all of that analysis, I just want to quickly mention that we still have a 50% off, probably the best deal that you're going to find here, on our top-of-the-line elite subscription. So if you want access to all the different numbers we have, the green line betting tools, the grading, everything available at PFF for an elite subscription, 50% off right now, locked article content, grading, props tool, best bets, everything else that we do here, um, that is available with the code ELITEUP, that's E-L-I-T-E-U-P, at PFF, 50% off on our top elite subscription. Okay, let's get into the talk here. So first, I want to talk about public perception versus markets and myself. So the three teams that I think are going to come up the most when looking at where the markets are lower, and I am also lower than public perception at this point, the three teams I'm going to point to now, and the Bengals are a new one in this one, but the Bengals are one, the Titans are definitely one, maybe the number one difference, and then the Packers also. I'm going to start with the Packers because they are probably the best team that there's a huge difference between market perception and public perception. If you look at different power rankings in the media right now, you'll often find the Packers at number one or close to number one at least. Um, I doubt there are many, if any, that have them outside of the top three. And just going by the betting market numbers, so the numbers at unpredictable right now, and there's no disagreement between those numbers and my numbers on their relative ranking this season. The Packers are sixth. So who are they behind in the rankings? Again, a team that's often ranked number one in power rankings. Who are they behind? Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, according to the market. The Bucks, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Rams. And then the Packers are next. Now, there's some fluctuation between the Packers being fifth or sixth with uh, moving up or down with the Rams, but that's the way it stands right now. And the market has the Packers being 5.2 points better than an average team on a neutral field. Again, when we look at the other teams up here, Tampa Bay, who's number one, is 8.4 points. Buffalo, 7.4. KC, 6.9. Dallas, 6.4. So all of these teams more than a point better 
than the Packers, according to these market numbers. And the obvious question is why? Why is that the case? And I think that the simplest stat that you can point to is point differential. It's a meaningful stat, more meaningful than the record of a team. Is just to straight up add up the points that a team has scored this year, subtract out the points that their opponents have scored this year, and that is your answer. Seems pretty simple. So for point differential this year, on a per-game basis, the Packers have 3.9. They're positive 3.9 points per game, which is 11th. So even worse, much worse than their sixth ranking on this. And my adjusted numbers, and again, my I do adjusted numbers on a game-by-game basis, and that powers a lot of my rankings that I'm going to talk about, the difference between the market and my rankings, that powers a lot of my rankings here, is going to make adjustments based upon outlier plays, turnovers, that shouldn't have been turnovers, fumble recovery luck or the lack thereof, special teams luck or the lack thereof, and so on. So my number is 2.5 adjusted, so a little bit lower, although 10th this year, because generally with my adjustments, the point differentials shrink a bit to get rid of some of those outlier plays. So they're 10th. So 10th and 11th, yet they're ranked sixth. And again, in many people's minds, they're first. So, but by, by the most predictive, simple statistic, they're not even in the top 10 or barely in the top 10. A lot of people are going to point to this and say, well, let's exclude the Saints. Let's exclude that game because they got blown out 38 to three in week one. I think that's fair, and I think my numbers also will um, decay older results. So that Saints game in week one is going to be the least important game for my ranking on Green Bay going forward. It's not going to be completely discounted, but it's going to be the least important. So for my number, um, when if you look at this, if you don't want to just take point differential, again, simple point differential, you want to exclude that week one game to make things nice and easy they would move up from 3.9, a positive 3.9 points per game, up to 6.3 points per game, which would still make them seventh. So again, still not even as high as their sixth ranking, according to the markets and according to my numbers. So even if you exclude that Saints game, even if you want to pick this thing out of, well, let's get rid of the worst result, it still doesn't help nearly as much as you would think. So more numbers into the underlying problems with the Packers, or problems may be too strong of a word, but the underlying issues that have made them a good but not great team, or not as great of a team as people think this year. So they're 29th in defensive success rate. So the defensive success rate is the percentage of plays where their opponent offense has had positive expected points added on a play. So in other words, a play that is contributing to the point total of the other team. It's it's like a a net positive play versus a net negative play. So they're 29th. So they are the fourth worst team in the NFL. Um, But their defense hasn't been quite as bad because turnovers have been helping them a lot. They have the third highest net turnover gain. So they're not committing many turnovers, not giving away much on offense, and they're taking away a decent amount on defense. Now, some of that is sustainable because Rodgers... 
naturally has a low interception rate. So some of that is going to be sustainable. But it's also been fumbles, too. That's the unsustainable part of it. Um, They have not lost a fumble. The Packers have not lost a fumble since week eight. And they haven't fumbled many times. So that's a positive. But they have fumbled six times, and they recovered all six of them. So even if you assume a simple rate like 50%, that would have been three more fumbles. Fumbles are anywhere from a negative four to a negative... Well, actually, they're anywhere, I would say, from a negative two and a half to a negative six or seven, if it's returned for a touchdown, EPA. So by avoiding having a few of those fumbles, we're talking about anywhere from, let's say, seven and a half to 20 EPA that they've they've saved. So 20 points that they've saved by doing that. And offensively, there's this weird thing going on this season where the Packers are the best offense in the NFL, according to their expected points added per play. But They're sixth in success rate. And there can be differences there. You can have an offense that is not turning the ball over. So that helps, right? That helps your success rate. That helps boost your EPA versus success rate. If you have the same success rate, but a lot of turnovers, you're going to have a much lower EPA. That's not taking a lot of sacks. Again, that's a very negative play. So not having those negatives. But then they're also having a lot of positive this year. So you can have a divergence there. You can have an offense that outperforms. I think it's fair to say that Rodgers is probably a quarterback that gives you outperformance there. But the difference between sixth and first is pretty high. For instance, this Packers offense was first last season in offensive efficiency by EPA per play, but they were second in success rate. So this is a much bigger divergence and probably a less sustainable divergence. And then if you want to look even further overarching by how much of an advantage do the Packers have by having this great offense, this best offense in the NFL, well, offense is down across the board in the NFL. So the juice that you're getting there, the differentials that you're getting versus other offenses, which are all kind of muted this year, is a little bit less than in prior seasons. In fact, if you look at the offensive efficiency per play for this Packers offense, especially the passing offense, while it's number one in the NFL, it's really would not compare to any prior season, would not be the number one offense in any prior season other than 2017, which was one of the worst offensive seasons, the worst offensive season that we've seen in recent memory in the NFL. So if you plop this offense and its efficiency into 2020, 2019, 2018, 16, 15, 14, so on, going back more than a decade, it would just not be the number one offense, even though it is the number one offense this year. So there's something a little bit different there. Um, Let's get into another team. The Titans are going to be the other team that people are going to point to as being off in the rankings. Now, according to my numbers, they are not in the top 10. And I think when I left them out, I even tweeted out some top 10 numbers them being excluded got rankled some people from the fact that they have beaten some good teams. And we all, we've seen them beat some good teams. Obviously they went on a a great stretch run against, uh, against the chiefs, against the bills, against the San Francisco 49ers and so on and so forth. Now they've also lost to the jets. They've also had, uh, they also lost to the Texans. They've had some bad, bad performances at the same time. So I think it's really weighing those two things against each other. You can't just say they're better than these good teams because they've beaten them when they've also been much, much worse against some other poor competition. 
So people are mad about them being outside the top 10. Well, according to the market right now, and again, they're fairly healthy. And I think this also goes to the Packers. The Packers are fairly healthy. I know the Packers can get some more players back, but it's not going to jolt them up from being a sixth ranking to a first ranking. And same thing with the Titans. If they get some players back, it might move them up some, but it's not going to necessarily get them into the top 10. They're 14th according to the markets right now, the betting markets, and they're 16th according to my rankings. Um, you just look at the numbers. It's really easy if you want to just look at purely the next couple of weeks of betting markets. They're three to three and a half point favorites, depending upon where you look, against the Dolphins this week. And the Dolphins are a team that is probably average-ish sort of NFL team right now. I have as being a little bit better. The market has them being a little bit worse than average. And they're, the Titans are only 10-point favorites on the road against Houston next week. Now, 10 points sounds like a lot, but Houston against quality competition has consistently been 11, more than 11. It's more like 13 to 15-point underdogs. And they're only 10-point underdogs here against the Titans. So the market's telling you something. They have A.J. Brown back. Maybe you say, oh, they're going to get Derrick Henry. They'll get Julio Jones, perhaps. They'll get some other guys. Maybe that stuff's going to happen. Maybe we're underrating them a bit. Maybe... Tannehill won't be the turnover machine that we've seen him be in the second half of the season. But there still should be a lot of doubt there. Now, they do have a chance at that number one seed. If they can get that number one seed, that's when things flip all the way around. And I also think they're a good example of a divergence, and same with the Packers, a divergence between Super Bowl odds and team strength. They have much, much better Super Bowl odds, both the Packers and the Titans, than the strength of the teams because their records are better than how they perform this year. And those records will give them a better chance of getting a bye week, a better chance of getting a home game, a better chance of getting a worse opponent in the playoffs, which then helps their Super Bowl chances. Okay, and the last team I want to talk about is the Bengals. Everyone seems to be on the Bengals right now. Everyone's going nuts over Burrow. And they're 13th according to the market, 15th according to my ranking. So almost smack in the middle. I mean, 16th, 16th and 17th are smack in the middle of the NFL. So almost there. Now, this could be a bit of a prior issue, meaning we have quarterback rankings. I have a quarterback prior that I build into my assumption where I might be a little low on Burrow. Burrow is the number one graded quarterback in the NFL this year, and he's been good EPA-wise, but not great. That's the thing. He's more like top 10-ish versus number one in grading. So I'm going to weigh a little bit more towards the... EPA than towards the the grade. And another issue with that is that he's taken a lot of sacks. So again, that hurts the offensive efficiency of the team. They're 10th in their drop back EPA, their EPA per drop back. Again, not close to the first grading that Burrow has this year. And they're 26 running the ball in their efficiency. So they're really poor running the ball and they've been a team that has run the ball probably too much. They've probably been running the ball too much this year. So if they flip that around too, that could juice up their offense and could get them going. But the, the bigger picture is they basically have a good, not great offense and they have a middling defense. So that's how they end up in the middle of the rankings versus others who will have them up higher because they look like they're on the verge of winning that division title. Okay, let's get to the biggest differences between my rankings and the market. So let's start off. I haven't gone through all of the different rankings here that you want to hear for what the market has. I think that's important. So we talked about Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Dallas, the top four. Then 
If you look at it, though, they kind of have a tier between Tampa Bay and Buffalo, and so do I. And then going after that, we're pretty much in agreement there. My rankings have Dallas as being uh, fifth instead of fourth, and the Rams being fourth instead of fifth, but basically close. Then Green Bay is next. We both, I also have Green Bay at sixth. Seventh, New England, according to the market. Ninth, according to my numbers. So I'm a bit lower on the Patriots than the market. Seventh versus ninth. Let's talk about that really quickly. People might think seventh is too low. The market uh, rate is too low. But, you know, they're 14th in their success rate offensively. They're 10th defensively. Now, their EPA per play defensively has been really, really good because they're a top three team in turnover value gained on defense. And they're also a top three team in opponents' third or fourth down conversions under expectation. Those are two huge drivers that have some stickiness over the course of a season, but on a game-by-game basis, and even over the course of the season, don't have a lot of stickiness for turnovers. So again, when you're number one, one of the top teams in gaining advantage on turnovers, and you're one of the top teams in stopping your opponent on third and fourth down, but not stopping them on first and second down, that bend but don't break defense, there may be some sustainability to it, but not at this sort of level that we're seeing from the Patriots. So that's going to bring them down as a team that only has a, you know, again, 10th rated success rate as far as the defense is concerned, but they're playing much more like a top three defense. And the score differential, they they have an eight and a half point score differential, so a pretty high score differential. My adjusted scores is only 1.7 points, so they're much lower on that, on that measure, lower than almost a bigger differential than almost any team as far as the difference between those two. And that's why my numbers drag them down a bit. But again, ninth versus seventh isn't the biggest deal, but the market has them as being about 4.4 points better than your average team. I have it at 2.8 points. So a little bit lower. But then again, I'm a little bit lower on a lot of these high, these good teams. Um, The market seems to be in my opinion, overpricing the differentials here, but maybe that's because I'm taking a little bit of a longer view than they are over the last couple of weeks of the season. All right, let's continue to scroll down for the power rankings here, according to the market. The Chargers are eighth. Now, this is just head scratching. I think it may have something to do with the fact that the Colts and the 49ers have quarterback questions for this weekend, and that's built into their betting lines. Those those teams, in my opinion, should definitely be better than the Chargers. I'm a little bit surprised the Cardinals aren't better than the than the Chargers, but they aren't. I mean, other teams, I have the Chargers all the way down at 16th. Uh, I think I could be below on that, but this is this is by far the biggest one that I have them, being eight spots lower than what the market is saying right now. And a couple things here. For, for the Chargers. I think, again, like with Burrow, this might be a little bit of a prior issue with Herbert where I'm not as high on Herbert as a second-year quarterback waiting to buy into what he's doing a little bit more. So maybe I should be more forward-looking in that regard. But it's, I'm not going to close the gap, right? I'm not going to close the gap up to um, up to 8th right now where I'm more like... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm actually 12th. I said 16th before. I'm actually 12th on them right now. Um... The Chargers also, according to the market numbers, might be benefiting from the fact that they're playing Drew Locke this weekend. And if you look at them, defensively, it's just been really tough. They're actually tied for the best success rate offensively in the NFL. So that's a that's that's a very strong number for them. But they're 30th in defense success rate against the middling schedule. So 
yeah, there's less stability to defense than there is to offense. So maybe you could bump him up a little bit upon that. But putting him as a top 10 team, I think, is a little bit too much for me. Although I can see the case for them being in the 11-12 area a little bit better than what I have them. Okay, so that's so that's going to be a bit higher than what you expect there. The Colts at 9th, the Cardinals at 10th. San Francisco 49ers are 11th, according to this. 49ers are probably higher than at 11th than most people think there, just being right outside the top 10. I have them at 7th. Now, Trey Lance is, is moving down that market number. I know everyone thinks Jimmy G is trash, but if you look at the betting line this weekend, it has gone from 15 against the Texans. I mean, the worst opponent you can face almost. It's gone from 15 down to 12 and a half or 12, depending upon where you look. So that's the market telling us that that's a downgrade going from Jimmy G to Trey Lance. I'm sorry, everyone who thinks Trey Lance is going to be fantastic. Maybe he'll be great from a fantasy perspective. But what we know about these guys right now, that's a downgrade. And that's reflected in that 11th number. So I think the market number would actually be San Francisco in the top 10, if they could, if they could get there. And the defense has been eighth in their success rate against the eighth toughest schedule of opponents. Remember, they're playing in that NFC West, which I think skews our perceptions on the strength of that defense. The fact that they have to go against I mean, Russell Wilson's been bad, but, you know, Russell Wilson a couple of times, Kyler Murray a couple of times, and the Rams offense a couple of times. Those are hard games. Now, they have pretty easy out-of-schedule games, but the fact that all those teams are performing so well this year offensively gives them a strength of schedule that's eighth toughest this season. So that gives their defense a little bit more credit. They have the eighth best success rate this season on defense against the eighth toughest schedule. That's a solid number for for the 49ers. And as we move through the rest of the rankings here, the Eagles are 12th, which is kind of high, but I actually have them at 12th too, so I can't say too much there. Cincinnati 13th, Titans, as I spoke about earlier, 14th, Browns 15th, uh, Minnesota 16th, Baltimore 17th, according to the market. Now, all these things are going on with Lamar Jackson, the defensive injuries. I mean, I have them 11th, but that number's probably too high because I'm not accounting for the non-quarterback injuries quite enough there. Um, So Baltimore is a fringe-ish sort of playoff team. Maybe they shouldn't be a playoff team this year. Denver 18th, which some people may not suspect. And the Dolphins 19th, according to the market. I have them all the way up at 13th. I'm not necessarily buying in on Tua big time here, but I think they're executing a good offense. I think they had, a, they had the hardest schedule in the NFL where they started really poorly, and then they've had a super easy schedule against the named quarterbacks that we've seen, like Ian Book and Joe Flacco and uh, Dust Cam Newton and everyone else that they've faced to get back into it. So this would be a good test for them going forward as to what they can do now in these next couple of weeks you know, against the Titans, in particular this week, a team that I am low on um, versus the market. It'll be interesting to see what they can do these next couple of weeks. If they win out, they get in, but they have a tougher schedule here. Uh, the Saints are 20th, 14th, according to my numbers, so I still am higher on the Saints. Number one defense in the NFL by my numbers. Uh, Seattle, 21st. Man, they've really fallen. The Raiders, 22nd. And then it goes Washington, Pittsburgh, and then the Bears and Falcons. Now Falcons even have a little bit lower. And then the Carolina Panthers. And then the, the four worst team in, in the the four worst teams in the NFL. I'm sorry. The five worst teams in the NFL. Uh by both rating systems, Jets, Lions, Giants, and then both systems have Jacksonville and Houston being the worst. 
so Jacksonville, tough. It's been a really tough sledding for them so far this year. And that, that'll give you a perception of what's going on in the market this year. But I would say look out for the Dolphins, according to my numbers. Look out for the 49ers if they can get in. And then maybe continue to fade the Patriots a little bit and fade the, the Titans a little bit if people start to get high on them going into the postseason. Okay, before we get to the best bets of the week, let's talk DraftKings. The NFL season is winding down. The playoffs will be here before you know it. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, offers getting even more amazing. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, they win $200 in free bets. Don't miss out on this action. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still be part of the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team and win $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wagered. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And last ad here, Western and Southern want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast. Whether it's football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to $2,500 coordinate your order from the restaurant near you, and have it delivered on February 13th, 2020. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and the Western and Southern's Instagram page for more answers to the best questions. Submit your questions at westernandsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that's westernandsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Okay, let's get to my numbers here. Okay. I'm going to have to, I made some adjustments here, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit going on in the NFL right now with what's, with what's happening here. Who's in, who's out, who may be playing, who may not be playing. So I'm going to keep all that in mind when I look at this. So the last thing that I heard, and this is being taped on Friday morning, is that Garoppolo has a chance to play it, although it sounded like Trey Lance is going to be the starter. So we have to adjust for that. But as of now, the biggest edge that I have on a game is the San Francisco 49ers, if you can get them at 12 in particular, minus 12, against the Houston Texans. Again, San Francisco is a top seven team for me. The Texans are the worst, still the worst team in the NFL, according to my numbers. I know Davis Mills balled out last week, and you know, RIP to the Chargers defense because of that, but I don't know if that really means it'll happen again. He's probably good for a couple of big turnovers this week. Even if Lance plays, I still think it's pretty solid, although he's only partially built into my numbers. I did lower it somewhat for Lance, but not enough potentially, so that's something to think about. But I'm going to make that a best bet there, uh, San Francisco minus 12. Okay, next number, and God, I just hate this, but hey, the, the, numbers, the numbers don't lie. I'm very low on the Steelers, um, like extremely low on the Steelers, yet... I have them as being a, should be more like a pick em in this game against the Browns than what the numbers are saying here, and that is Browns minus three and a half. So 
If you can still get them plus three and a half, it looks like you can at DraftKings at minus 110. Steelers plus three and a half would be one of my top bets here. There's nothing like to say about this because I can't make a case for Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it is at home. It is his last game. I'm not going down narrative street with all this stuff there, but it's just the Browns have been very, very poor recently. They've really fallen off a cliff, especially their running game efficiency. Now I know they had a good running game efficiency against the Packers, but it hasn't been as consistent as you would have liked. They've had a lot of missing pieces. I know they've had a lot of COVID stuff going here, so perhaps you can pump them back. But if you weren't getting, you know, the hook there at three and a half, I would lay off of this. But at three and a half, I think it's a little bit too juicy to pass up with the defense that can give Baker Mayfield problems, especially on the road. Okay, the next best bet here, and eh, I, I, I might pass on this one, would be the Jacksonville Jaguars plus 16 and a half. They got a lot of COVID issues going on here that are not fully priced into my numbers. So just so you know, if you're interested in that one, I have more like 13 and a half. So that would be a, a decent difference there. Um, it's just a lot of points for the Patriots offense that is probably going to be very content grinding things out. Although they did pile on the points against the Jets in te- this year. I don't think it's one of those situations. I don't know if uh, Bill Belichick has as much hatred for the Jaguars as he does for for the Jets. So I don't think he'll necessarily crush them like he has in the past. And then the last number here is the Bengals plus five. Let's see if we can get a better number on that. Um, Oh, it's down to four and a half a lot of places. So yeah, no, not a lot of places. In two places, it's down to four and a half. So I would say... Bengals plus five, you can still get that at BetMGM, at PointsBet, at Bet365, at other places. You can get that at minus 110 plus five. Again, I said that the market's pretty low on the Bengals. So I think a lot of people are probably looking at their looking at this and scratching their head with this talk about potentially Joe Burrow being as equal or similar type of quarterback to Patrick Mahomes, which is, of course, absurd, and but it's reflected in the line. They're a five-point underdog at home against the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs Offense looks like it's coming back a bit, but I'm not fully sold on the sustainability of that. And the Chiefs' defense also playing like the best defense in the NFL recently. I think there's a chance for that to go down, especially if they blitz a lot. Burrow has been excellent against the blitz. So that's one play that they can hopefully go forward. And I think you're also hoping that they're going to continue to pass it over expectation, as they did in the last game, where they haven't in prior games, again, with a running offense that's been bottom 10 running offense. They've been running it way, way too much. So you're going to hope for that to continue in this game. Okay, that rounds it out for all of my best plays for the weekend. Have a good ending to what hopefully was a holiday week for you guys. I'll be coming back at you with my regular mic on Tuesday and Ben Brown to review all of the weekend's action. In the meantime, rate and review the pod. And otherwise, I'll be talking to you next week. Thanks so much.